Welcome to American Gray Matter, the latest and greatest technology in podcasting. You are witnessing cutting edge opinions. We will bring you what's important and we will tell you what to think because we're pretty smart like that and we know, we know things. Hey guys, this is American Gray Matter. Uh, this is our third episode. This is our third episode. And we have a very interesting, very smart individual from uh, Malta. Well, he's, he's in Malta. He's originally from Iran. Yeah. Then he moved to Sweden. But because of high taxation and socialist uh, Sweden, he moved to Malta, which is right now a capitalistic paradise almost because the low regulations and, and really good uh, entrepreneurial activity. He's... Uh, quite famous in Sweden and around the world with his books and his research. So I'm, uh, I found, came across him when I was researching Swedish model uh, or Nordic socialist model because um, leftists in America, every time I say socialism, they scream Sweden. And I came across him, sent him an email and asked him if he could be on our podcast. And he replied. And here he is coming to be with us. That's pretty cool, man. Our first guest... Nima, Sanandaji. <laughs> I knew Nima, I was going to mess it up. Nima Sanandaji. Ah, there you go. There you go. So, guys, thank you so much for listening. And uh, send us uh, email. Oh, yes. Our email is up and running. AmericanGrayMatter at gmail.com. With A. Gray. Yeah, gray with an A. The correct American way to spell it. Yes. AmericanGrayMatter at gmail.com. Please uh, send us uh, questions or if you know any guests that will be stimulating mentally. We, we, and, uh, you know, like that's why we're trying to make the show is to bring you things to think about it, to ponder about it, to figure out what your opinion about. And that's we would. So if you know someone that you think will be a good guest for the, our podcast, would really appreciate if you shoot us an email. And we will ask Nima about, because one of the reasons we're talking about Sweden Correct. is because Donald Trump brought it up. Yes. So we will ask him the question about whether Donald Trump's portrayal of Sweden was accurate. Oh, you're talking about Sweden incident? Yeah, Sweden incident. The Sweden terrorist attack that never happened? Yeah. That would be a really good question. Another question I will ask him is what's the difference between social democracy, democratic socialism, socialism, communism? There's so many different things that are thrown in one bucket and then stirred. So everyone has their own opinion. It would be really nice to know what he thinks about that. And also just how to run public school systems would be great. And healthcare? Healthcare. Yeah. So we'll touch all those things with our interview with Nima Sanandaji. Did I get points for that? Yes. You uh-huh. just said all it so right. well. So we'll give him a call right now. All right. Stay tuned. Hey guys, welcome to another episode of American Gray Matter. I'm here with uh, my co-host Dmitry Nosarev, and we have a very awesome new uh, first guest for our show um, named Nima Senandaji. Um, he is author of Debunking Utopia, Exposing the Myth of Nordic Socialism. He's been writing about socialism in the Nordic for about 12 years. Um, Nima, would you like to give us some background about how you became interested in this topic? Yeah, sure. So, you know, I, my background is I'm a Kurdish-Iranian immigrant to Sweden, and um, I've studied engineering sciences, and I have a PhD in uh, polymer technology. But alongside all of this, I've been uh, running various think tanks. I'm currently the president of the European Center for Entrepreneurship and Policy Reforms, and writing a lot about public policy, about capitalism, socialism, economics. And uh, one of the, I think the issue I've written most about and which has received a lot of international attention is the issue about Nordic socialism. That is correct. And that's one of the reasons why we invited you and I appreciate you for replying. Uh, I was born in uh, Soviet Union under socialist system as well. 
However, when I was my teenager, I remember during Perestroika, they were talking about moving towards a Swedish model of socialism. And so I, at that time, I was just a teenager interested in rock and roll and girls and uh, running around uh, with uh, uh, football. But uh, later on, of course, I started looking into what Nordic socialism is. And, and of course, during the presidential elections, uh, Bernie Sanders uh, blew up on the Democratic side, calling himself Democratic Socialist and specifically speaking that we need to look towards Sweden and uh, Denmark and, uh, and learn from them how to run the country the right way. And so that's why uh, when I started researching about it and I found your name in your book, Debunking Utopia, uh, I decided to get in touch with you. So if you could please explain what's the background of the Nordic Socialism and why leftist America and everywhere else are so enamored with this idea. Yeah, so the background of Nordic Socialism, you know, it's very interesting. Because many people believe that Nordic countries have been socialists for long. And socialism is fairly new in Nordic countries. And by that, I mean that Nordic countries were very uh, small government capitalist systems until around 1960. And around 1960, they adapted large welfare states, but they kept capitalism. They, they kept capitalism in place, but they, you know, introduced large welfare states and high taxes. And from there we have uh, Nordic socialism. So I've been writing on this issue for 12 years, and my core message is that, look, listen, Nordic countries are not successful because of socialism. And since I'm an engineer, I don't say this. I try to prove this by uh, facts and figures and historical analogies. And if I were to just explain my base argument, it is that the success of Nordic countries came before they went towards a big welfare state. The prosperity of Nordic countries, the income equality of Nordic countries, the gender equality of Nordic countries, the social and economic success came before these countries adapted the big welfare state. And what I also do is I compare the outcomes of Nordic Americans with the Nordic people in, in the Nordic countries. And I show that Nordic Americans are more prosperous, they have lower poverty, they have better outcomes than their cousins in the Nordics. So it is not the Nordic social democratic system that is creating success, but it is rather the Nordic culture of success, which I write about, this Protestant culture, which is the root of their success. Um, I, I think it's fascinating that you have started looking into this specific topic when you have a PhD in engineering sciences. How, how exactly did that happen? Uh, oh, uh, it's a long story, but essentially um, I grew up and I grew up in a, a family with welfare, so we didn't have much money, and, but I studied and so I, I was accepted to Cambridge and uh, Oxford to do my PhD. But at the same time, I kind of, I guess, I impressed some people. So they gave me a couple of, uh, no, they, they gave me some money, like, I don't know, four or 500,000 euros worth to start a free market think tank. And I couldn't really say no to any of these big opportunities, so I did both. I got my PhD and I started uh, becoming a free market um, writer. So quick so question. That's, a, that's, a, that's fascinating. Quick question. So right now, uh, again, because of Bernie Sanders and Jill Stein, they're talking a lot about new, new deal. Uh, Jill Stein calls it Green New Deal. And uh, Bernie Sanders, of course, talked about something similar to a new deal. And is this whole idea of spending um, immense amounts of money on government and infrastructure, etc., uh, how do you, how do you see that uh, comparing to the Nordic socialism, and do you see it as something beneficial or not? Yeah, so you know, my latest book, uh, debunking utopia, exposing the myth of Nordic socialism, is precisely about arguing against Bernie Sanders' view, and I systematically systematically show that you're wrong. And I think it's very important to understand why they're wrong, not only that they are wrong. So. Let me just give you a few uh, numbers. A very common argument in the US is that Danish people live longer than Americans because Denmark has a bigger welfare state. So 
you should elect Bernie Sanders. He'll raise your taxes. He'll give you socialized healthcare, and you can live longer lives. It seems as a good trade-off. At least many American liberals believe this. But there is no such trade-off. In my book, I show that in 1960, the Nordic countries had had the same tax level as the United States had. They had small governments. They didn't have socialist welfare states. In 1960, however, Nordic countries had their unique Nordic norms, their unique Nordic culture, where, you know, they eat healthy food, they exercise. So Danish Americans live 2.4 years longer than Americans. And Swedes live longer than Americans and so on. But today, Danes only live one and a half years longer than Americans. So you see, the difference has actually shrunk. And during this period, Denmark has introduced the largest welfare state on the planet. Now, these numbers tell us a very interesting story. Denmark didn't achieve long lifespan because of welfare state. That's what history shows us. But the American left are using the difference. They, they're not looking at the cultural difference. And they say, look, this proves that socialism works. And I just gave you one example. But throughout the book, I show that this goes for all of these things they see with Nordic countries. Income equality came before high taxes for example, in Nordic countries, because they have homogenous populations. They're one big group, and everybody's working hard. So, of course, they have an even uh, economic uh, division of income. And Bernie Sanders is a socialist. He, tr- he wants to uh, try to introduce this by raising taxes in the U.S. But if you do that, if you have Bernie Sanders and he introduces social democracy, none of the success of the Nordics will be transferred to the U.S., because none of it is because socialism. I, I understand that. In fact, I looked at some numbers and correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Nordic countries were able to get out of Great Depression, which was a worldwide phenomenon, much faster than America. Like, like I said, America introduced New Deal and even yeah. way into the war in 1940s, they were still struggling uh, financially when at the same time Nordic countries, as, as much as I looked at the numbers, were able to recover faster and start prospering. And of course, because they were uh, like Sweden, were not involved in the war, that gave them even additional push to continue uh, develop their prosperity. Am I right on that issue? Yeah, that is one of the things I've developed. I, I've written, I think, a total of what three and a half books and two reports on this issue. And one of the arguments I have is that if you're looking at the Great Depression, at the time, Nordic countries did not have welfare states at all. They had uh, almost less fair economic policies. The government had a very limited role in the economy. Taxes were low. But what they did have was this Protestant working ethics. So at the time, Nordic countries were very capitalist, very small government, and they had a cultural success. So what happens when a Great Depression comes is that the United States adopts kind of a socialist idea and that socialist idea was a new deal. But the Nordic countries said, we won't have a new deal. Let the market sort it out. And this is very interesting because America chose the path of socialism after the Great Depression. And the result was a massive economic stagnation. Nordic countries chose the path of free markets, trade, limited government. And within years, their economies had rebounds. Jobs had been created. And many of the most successful companies that uh, Nordic countries rely on today were founded during or shortly after the Great Depression. So you see, the global left is using the Nordic countries as a number one role model for socialism. But in my writings, I, I think I've shown, I'm not arguing, I'm showing that in fact the low, uh, you know, the capitalist uh, limited government model of the Nordic countries is a true success. Hey, Nima, would you argue that the industrialization of World War II is probably more responsible for the recovery than like the New Deal um, going back to when we faced that situation? How do you mean? Like when we went to war, then we had to build tanks and airplanes and everybody kind of be, became cooperative. Do you think that's really what brought us out of the Depression? No, no, no. I think that, um, you know, wars are costly and... No, no, no. So, you, know, you know what? Sweden, uh, the Nordic countries were hit by the Second World War. Uh, Finland, Denmark, and Norway were part of it. But Sweden was uh, neutral because they kind of sucked up to Germany, and they didn't get into the war. 
And because of that, Sweden uh, kind of uh, got a huge economic boost compared to the rest of the world because they were not part of the Second World War. Because obviously you were building tanks and that kind of created some kind of growth, but all of the resources of the economy was pushed into making tanks, whereas in other countries they were more, you know, making more productive use of that. So yeah. one of the benefits Sweden had was it had a very capitalist system and it was not part of the Second World War and it had a very strong con- culture of hard work, this very unique Nordic culture of success, which I describe in my books. And then the Swedes said, you know what, let's introduce a large welfare state. And as I show in my book, the result was that a phenomenal growth uh, gradually, you know, uh, led to stagnation, that jobs were not created, that a lot of social problems were created, massive welfare dependency, immigrants could not integrate and became dependent on welfare. I grew up with welfare family and... One of the things I show very much in depth, and this is kind of a sophisticated, complex point, but my point is that in Nordic countries, culture of success was destroyed slowly by the welfare state. Because over the generations, people's norms adapt to economic policies, and after a number of generations, the super strong norms of success have been kind of been grounded, grinded down hmm. by the generous welfare state. So. A generous welfare state relies on strong norms, but it slowly destroys those strong norms. Your basic argument is that success already pre-existed before the introduction of socialism, and from that point on, it's sort of just a downward spiral. Yeah, you know what, that's a very uh, good way of putting it. And, um, uh, you know, and and what happens then, you you know, Let's see, can we prove my, can we take my idea and compare it to the liberal idea? The liberal idea is that Nordic countries prove that social democracy works, that big government works, that socialism works, because socialism has given Nordic countries income equality, gender equality, success. I say no, no. All of these benefits come from capitalism and from this culture of um, success. And socialism in itself is not... um, reason so we can test this by looking at immigrants because immigrants don't have the nordic culture of success they have other cultures and if the left is right then the immigrants who've come to sweden should be successful right because the left is the system the political system which creates success i say it is a culture of the nordic people so if immigrants fail to become as successful as the swedes i'm right if they succeed the left is right and I would say very unfortunately, integration has been very bad in Sweden. And uh, very unfortunately, because it proves my point, but it has become a major, major problem for Swedish society. Nima, I have one question. I noticed that yeah. in your explanations, you interchangeably use social democracy, democratic socialism and socialism. Uh, from what I understood, it's, it's different spectrums of the left. Uh, do you do it on purpose or you just is let me rephrase it in Sweden do they uh, see democratic socialism and social democracy as one and the same or is it two different spectrums because I always thought that social democracy is is kind of not as left and you go left more left is democratic socialism more left socialism and more left communism but you used interchangeably. Can you please explain ah, how you see that? Very, very interesting. Uh, yeah, so the language is different in this regard. In Sweden, social democracy and democratic socialism basically mean the same thing. And even socialism and social democracy basically means the same thing. When, when you say socialism in America, you mean communism. So the language is a bit different here. In Sweden, these words are almost interchangeable. In America, it's much more evident that they're on a spectrum. But on the spectrum, one of the things I show in the book is that Nordic countries have never actually become socialists. Correct. They've always been, because they always had private ownership. And, you know, in some regards, Nordic countries are more capitalist than the U.S. is. That's one of the things I write about. Already now, for example, uh, Sweden has for-profit welfare, a large system of vouchers where schools, for example, are funded by tax money, but they're profit-seeking entities. There are many examples of Nordic countries having more capitalist institutions than the U.S., but they have bigger welfare states. So 
So that's, let me let yeah. me uh, ask a uh, follow up question on that. So do you think the left on purpose mixes all those definitions up so there is confusion or do you think there's some other reason? Because like you said, uh, because I grew up in socialist country also, that Soviet Union that was trying to achieve communism. So I always understood that socialism is the, is the uh, something between capitalism and communism. Basically, Karl Marx used socialism and communism interchangeably in some of his writings. So for me, I see democratic socialism as kind of like a lighter form of, of socialism, but still the goal is to become communist. But social democracy I always saw as part of capitalism. Basically, in a way, it's a more nice form of capitalism. Uh, that's how I see it. Is that something that uh, you see it similarly or there's a different way to see it? I don't really see it exactly as you because social democracy is kind of striving towards socialism. Yeah, in practice, maybe you're right, but their ideology is, you know, we should introduce socialism slowly. Okay, so, so but uh, look, you know what I say in the book? Uh, I say that the left would like to say socialism works, socialism like communism. But they can't say that because there are no examples of socialism working. Correct. They, but they do say social democracy works, which I mean a big welfare state, right? Correct. That's what I'm saying. Social democracy yeah, uh, is a yeah. big capitalist yeah. system with a big welfare state uh, with a heavy taxation and heavy income redistribution. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, here's, here's my question to you. When the left tell you that social democracy works, do they ever have a role model except the Nordic countries? Do they ever say social democracy works in Spain? Social democracy works in Argentina? Social democracy works in California? Do they say that? Or do they all only say, no, no, social democracy works in the Nordic countries? Once in a while they would mention Germany, but most of the times they only say Nordics. Yeah, and Germany, you know, is very close to the Nordic countries. Germany and the Netherlands, I mean, they're basically semi-Nordic countries, they're part of the Northern European region, they, their cultures are, are very similar to Nordic cultures. Oh, are you, are you trying to say that uh, Greece is one of the reasons why the economy has failed, is also culture? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, what I would say is absolutely that when the Southern European countries try to copy the Northern European countries, the Southern European countries says, let's have a big welfare state. It works in the Northern Europe. No, it doesn't work. The Northern Europe is successful because they have Protestant working ethics, because they have capitalist institutions which are successful, because they have you know, innovative businesses, not because they have a big welfare state. So when Southern Europe introduces it, and Southern Europe is more disorganized and they have weaker working ethics, it became a huge disaster. One of the reasons for the crisis in Southern Europe was that they tried to introduce uh, Nordic-style socialism, not understanding that Nordic-style socialism doesn't work. You're absolutely right, because when I visited Europe, I actually visited uh, Sweden and Greece at the same time. And of course, uh, both of them were talking about the same. Politicians were talking about a huge welfare state and taking care of and immigration problems as well. But Sweden and Greece was different. D Greece was on a verge of economical collapse. And Sweden at that time looked uh, pretty good. Except when I was in Malmo, I noticed a huge influx of immigrants. How is uh, socialism and immigration connected to one another? You know, I should tell you something. I have a, a brother, Tino Sanandaji, and he recently, he's an economist, Chicago School of Economics, uh, PhD. And he recently released a book in Sweden. I think he released a like two weeks ago, his book is called Mass Challenge and is a number one best-selling book in Sweden. Many libraries in Sweden, you go to his library, you see 500 people are trying to borrow the book. They're standing in queue. He's selling many, many books every day. And his book is basically about how um, uh, mass immigration of refugees to the um, um, Swedish system has been, a, unfortunately, a big failure that we have a mass uh, challenge. Uh, he's, he's actually making ridicule of the world. You know, it's, 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 a, it's a problem. It's not a challenge, he's basically saying, with integration and crime and un unemployment, all of that. 
So Neil, and it's a huge issue. I'm, I'm sure you, you see even Donald Trump is clumsily trying to get involved. Nima, I've noticed that you were actually born in Tehran. Yeah. So you're uh, very well suited for this question, just kind of understanding uh, how how the cultures come together. What you think that the uh, like the immigrant. Explain to us a little bit about coming together, different cultures coming together, and how that impacts the social, the socialism. Uh, you know, it's interesting. And me and my brother, both of us get his question. He recently talked about this in a big interview in Sweden. So, you know, we, we, came, from, um, um, we came from a middle-class family, which was highly educated. My father had, uh, had gone to American University. And the reason we came to Sweden was actually... Um, because my father was working with Swedish companies and we wanted to get away from the Iranian, uh, the propaganda of the Iranian regime and Islamism. Because we were, we were, we had money, we, had, we were doing very good at school. We wanted to get away from the oppression, basically. And our family was atheist. So they already in Iran, they were atheists. And, you know, it's punishable by death in Iran to be an atheist. So we came to Sweden and in Sweden, I don't want to go deep into this, but our family kind of broke up. We went from being higher middle class, successful, to becoming uh, support on welfare. We were raised partially in foster families. And um, so I think we on first-hand experience that when immigrants journey to Sweden, even for some um, educated immigrants, they, they don't succeed. Because the socialist system of Sweden with a tightly regulated labor market, the high taxes, etc., and generous benefits made it difficult for immigrants to succeed. Now, you should know that what I'm saying is Sweden had a very generous welfare state, so people wouldn't get jobs because taxes are high, uh, benefits are generous, you get trapped in dependency. That has changed. This, the Swedish politicians have lowered taxes and made the welfare state much less generous, and they've liberalized the labor market. And one reason is that Swedes kind of their working ethics was destroyed slowly by the, by the welfare state. The other reason is immigration, and that's the main reason. Many immigrants became dependent on welfare, so they said, let's make welfare less generous. But uh, what happens essentially is the welfare magnet effect, and that is that a country with high taxes and generous welfare state attracts low qualified immigrants while countries with low taxes and uh, small welfare state attract high-skilled immigrants. And Sweden has been accepting very large numbers of refugees from Syria and Afghanistan and so on. Uh, in 2015, Sweden had, according to the OECD, the highest ever recorded influx of refugees per capita in any modern economy over time. And, you know, the problem isn't only that uh, taxes are high or things like that. The problem is also that the refugees, they don't have, many of them don't have the basic skills to get a job in Sweden. And in the advanced Swedish economy, there are very, very limited need for simple jobs. So that's why we're having a major issue because the integration on the labor market is simply not working out. Let me ask you a follow-up question. Of course, under socialist model, Bernie Sanders and uh, others advocating free education all the way to basically PhD. So uh, even though you get in those refugees that are uneducated because you have free education, that should be able to help them to climb the ladder of success. Isn't that the idea and why it doesn't work? Yeah. So, you know, uh, I write a lot of uh, books in Sweden. I've written more than 25 public policy books more than 100 policy reports. One of the key issues I'm currently writing about is exactly that. We should have uh, big programs for adult education and we should have them on a market basis. The government pays for it, but also private companies can carry it out so that a welfare state actually, you know, starts helping with the integration pol policies. And uh, my writings, and I guess other people have also said this, are, you know, they're actually getting traction and this is happening. So absolutely the welfare state can try to fix integration, but uh, it hasn't worked very well so far. And I would say one reason is that we have quite limited adult education system. Another reason is that Sweden 
the schools are very progressive. Now, this is another topic, and I'm currently writing a book on this with an educational uh, researcher, Gabriel Heller-Salgren, which basically is that Sweden was very successful before because it had a very conservative, knowledge-based school system. Now they have a very progressive school system. It's like they say children should be free and teachers should have no autonomy and the teacher can't tell a student to be silent. And, you know, that's a very bad system, but then you apply that system to refugees from uh, underdeveloped third world countries, then it's a very, 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 very bad system because those progressive schools, they don't teach anything or almost anything to uh, children from, you know, Sudan or Afghanistan. They need, they need schools that are good at uh, promoting knowledge. So, so definitely, I think the welfare state is not being able to educate immigrants uh, because there's a lack of money invested in adult education and because the progressive system isn't good at reaching out to the immigrants. So, uh, again, as the economist, do you see that free education... I'm not an economist. I have a PhD in uh, polymer technology. Okay, okay. Uh, As an engineer, again, and Ah. as, as someone who studies this area very... Uh, profoundly, do you see that there is a um, benefit in having government-sponsored education that is basically free for people, or do you think it's better to have a market system of education? I think the Swedish system is very good. Sweden has a market where uh, pro-profit, for-profit schools compete for the tax money spent on education. I think that's a fantastic model. I think it's a good model to have um, uh, education funded by the government uh, for small children during the school age, uh, during college, and during PhDs to some degree. Uh, and what I mean is the funding should come from the government, but you should fund education that is efficient and um, you shouldn't spend all the money on liberal arts, basically. But basically, I'm, I'm supporting this. And I think that um, the market should be involved by having a voucher system where the, even the universities and the high schools, etc., cetera, uh, can be private companies, but they're funded by the government. And actually, this is largely the system we have in Sweden. The universities are run by the government, but the uh, schools and the high schools, many of them, and most of the most successful one of them, are uh, private profit-seeking companies. So don't you think it's a better idea to completely get the government out of education and let the market uh, figure out uh, prices and um, see where it's more important? Or or do you think it's important to have the government uh, as a regulator uh, between people and the businesses in the education system? Uh, I don't think government uh, should be heavily regulating the system. They should allow for freedom to experiment different um, ways of providing education but I believe in government funding and you know I grew up with welfare and I I appreciate the fact that we could go to school without getting a scholarship and really a modern society benefits from education and you have to say what are poor children going to do do they have to struggle to get government uh, scholarships isn't it just better to give everybody fund education for everybody so I, I believe in that. And I think, you know, almost every country is doing this. Almost every country is funding education. So I think you can do that. And it's not that much of the tax bill that goes to education. Countries with low taxes fund education. Countries with high taxes fund education. That is not the main difference of Nordic countries versus, let's say, Australia, which has a very successful small government model. Let's say South Korea, which has a very successful small government model. The difference is that the government spends money on a lot of bureaucracy and in supporting people who don't work and are relying on government handouts. So we could have a small um, public sector, but still fund education for all. Hey, Nima, do you have any uh, opinions about the new Secretary of Education, Betsy DeVos, um, in the U.S.? Um, are you familiar... Uh, Basically, she's advocating school choice, which is basically the voucher system. Um, yeah. And they're pointing to Sweden, I guess, because Sweden 
has the most developed voucher system arguably in the world. It is interesting. So, so uh, your voucher system, was it pushed through by left or by right, right uh, parties in Sweden? Yeah, so it was pushed through by the right. What happened was the first it first started as vouchers for uh, childcare and there were some people who tried to have private childcare in Sweden and the social democrats were had a government and they tried to attack them. Okay. So what what essentially happened is uh, these entrepreneurs they went to a municipality in Sweden which was uh, a conservative municipality and by working with this conservative municipality, they kind of went around the law and they created a, a private childcare center. Mm-hmm. And uh, soon they started uh, basically paying uh, the money from the municipality to the childcare center. And soon other conservative municipalities did this, and it was kind of a rebellion <laughs> because the central government was trying to attack this. Then Sweden got a, it gets a conservative government. They, they allow for this system to be created. Uh, the left kind of opposes it. Then we get a new conservative government. We get a massive um, increase in voucher system. And currently we have a socialist government which is trying to destroy the system, basically. So, trying to destroy the system. So from what I understand, it was a grassroots movement that eventually became the government policy, correct? of the conservatives and the left is trying to destroy it. Okay, For so a we... period, the left was kind of, oh no, no, we like vouchers. They kind of, even the left realized it was kind of a good idea. Okay, even yeah. the left had a big debate, but they're trying to destroy it now. Okay, I understand. Left is usually, that's how I notice they operate. They would be against something, but when they see they cannot win, then they'll switch. They've done this yeah. with so many things like unions, like you said right now, education, healthcare, uh, race relations, immigration. It is uh, that, That's one thing with the left that I always uh, was amused by, that they don't have really core philosophy. Their philosophy is just push something. And uh, you just uh, gave ex- another example of that. Now, uh, last question. Uh, with the healthcare, do, do you see that U.S. should adopt uh, universal healthcare or do you think it's better to figure out some other way to take care of the uh, healthcare? I think that's a very complex issue. And uh, in some regards, you kind of do have universal healthcare already in the U.S. Correct. Because if some, yeah. And, you know, it's a super complex issue because, in fact, the money that Americans spend on public healthcare as share, as share of your economy is quite similar to the money spent by Sweden on as share of economy on healthcare. You, so essentially, in America, you have kind of universal healthcare, kind of, and then people buy their own private healthcare. So you you, you could you could actually introduce uh, universal healthcare, but then you would have to do it more like a Nordic country. And what they have is they have more limited healthcare and they have, uh, they're basically controlling the cost of healthcare. You know, the reason I have a difficult time answering this question is my belief is the American system of healthcare is not very good. The Swedish healthcare system has uh, major issues. Maybe the best system in, in uh, uh, the Western countries are, is found in Netherlands and Switzerland. Because they have compulsory insurance system Correct. where everybody has to get an insurance, and then there's a market of insurance and a market of providers. Because I, the, am, I, I yeah. agree with you, this because we have similar system with car insurance. Everyone is mandatory to have a, a liability insurance, and then if you want, you can buy more insurance, and you can shop yes. your insurance in any state. So you can buy your insurance from Alaska or Florida or California. It doesn't matter. It's a nationwide market. And once yep. they deregulated like that, uh, I noticed that the price of car insurance went down significantly. So you you, you advocating something similar for the healthcare? Yeah. Well, that's yeah. basically Obamacare, isn't it? I mean, you're not you're really mandated no. to buy insurance. Not really. No, not not, not really. No. Oh, yeah. So how is Obamacare different from uh, the insurance model from Switzerland? In fact, that's what I usually tell people when they tell me Nordics. I said Switzerland, and they say what? I said, yeah, it's a basically a private system, but with mandatory minimal uh, insurance. You know what? You should you should say the the net, uh, Dutch system because it's very similar to the Swiss system. Mm-hmm. And the interesting is that Netherlands used to be a very big welfare state. 
because the Netherlands is actually kind of a Nordic country. Correct. They're very similar to Nordic countries. And it used to be that Sweden, Denmark, and Netherlands had a very big welfare state, very high taxes. And the first country to kind of start moving away from this towards smaller government, conservatism, free markets, tax cuts was the Netherlands. Then Sweden cut its taxes dramatically, and now Denmark is kind of moving moving that way as, as we speak. So Netherlands is kind of what Sweden used. I mean, they used to be as socialist as Sweden, as social democratic, but now they have that insurance market, which is in many ways better than American model, I would say, and better than a Swedish model. Hmm. I, but I, Sweden I, also has a lot of uh, vouchers in healthcare. I will, I will look into that. Well, and, and final question we have for you, Nima, is we just had this big blow up in um, mainstream media when Donald Trump said, look what happened in Sweden last night. And they checked, nothing happened last night. <laughs> and so it became really big deal. And so uh, when, when it happened, I actually tweeted, I said, look guys, it's kind of brilliant. I think he made a mistake, whether he did intentionally or not it's now put a flashlight on Sweden. Can you please tell us, is Donald Trump right about the immigration problem, especially violence, etc., in Sweden, or he's completely off, his rockers? Yeah, you know what, I would actually tell you to interview my brother. I, I told you he just came out with the best-selling book in all of Sweden. I think it's the first time in Swedish history that, uh, I, I guess, uh, uh, is a free market conservative book is the best-selling book in Sweden ever. And he has been giving interviews about the very thing you asked right now. And I, I will actually say I have a very similar take as he does, is that Donald Trump and the American right-wing media are vastly exaggerating the issue because they basically say it is the newly arrived immigrants who are causing the problems. That's not really, I mean, you know, there's a grain of truth, but it's a very much exaggerated state on it. However, uh, the crime in Sweden is very much concentrated to the immigrant neighborhoods and to the immigrant groups who have come to Sweden during the last, I guess, three decades and who have unfortunately largely failed to integrate in Swedish society. Uh, so there's definitely a link. The problem is that Donald Trump and these people exaggerate this and not Trump, but some American, you know, bloggers are kind of very much anti-immigration. So you should try to keep it nuanced, but absolutely there's a link. And Sweden is not able to deal with these issues. So, you know, Sweden, as I say, has been building upon a culture of success. They didn't have social problems. They didn't have riots because of the culture. And they have a very soft police force. They have a soft system. So one, now that they are having small riots and car burnings and attacks against the police, they are not able to handle it. And this unfortunately is happening and it proves my point. It is not the social democratic system that is creating uh, Swedish success. It is the culture because once, when Sweden has to deal with real problems, look at it. The system is not well suited uh, to deal with the problems. I appreciate it. It's struggling. Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, if you could put could put us together with your brother, we'd love to uh, invite him to our podcast and interview him. That would be great. Absolutely. Uh, well, That's uh, a good follow-up to this interview, I think. Thank you so much. Well, if you could let our listeners know where they can find you, where they can find your books, and uh, uh, this is just how they can get in touch with you. Uh, oh. <laughs> well, I don't know if you want to get in touch with me. I, I, I have too, uh, too many emails already, but uh, uh, you could email me at nima at sanandaju.se and uh, I've written a number of books. So for example, Debunking Utopia, the Nordic uh, Gender Equality Paradox are two of my books that uh, you might uh, find useful. Are you, are you active on social media or are you staying away from social media? I really, really stay aware of social media. I typically stay away from uh, much of media. I think the media discussion is not intellectual. That's why 95% of what I do is in form of text, because I think in the modern debate, everybody's trying to misunderstand each other. So, uh, but if you're an American, you want to write, read some of the things I've written. Uh, one example is I wrote a 
chapter in the anthology self-control or state control you decide um where i explain my ideas about how the welfare state is kind of destroying norms and values over time but you know i'm an engineer and i try to have an engineering perspective with facts and figures and uh, understanding systems so i i don't like this current debate with with um aggressive debate on twitter mm-hmm. so i i'm 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 staying out of that i i understand that's uh actually first i was trying to contact you on twitter and there was nothing and then yeah. i found your email address so once again we appreciate you so much we'll uh, ask our listeners not to inundate nima with unnecessary emails but if you have something of value uh get in touch with him and you can find all his books on amazon and order them and read them. We really recommend that. And hopefully, Nima, we can have you back sometime in the future. And we're looking forward to have your brother on our podcast as well. Yeah. Thank you so much. We really appreciate your time. Thank you. I, for what really helped me to understand really his point of view, that he understands the role of the government in a way differently um it's because social socialist system was for such a long time in sweden so he now sees benefits of that and um like for me as a libertarian conservative i'm still debating in my mind if uh, how much the government is really needed like public education is perfect example like perfect example same I, thing same thing actually with the medical care however i see his point there is just so many broken uh things that we might have to end up with a, a universal care uh, as we are right now have public education. So I, I see, but as he said, if you have it, have it as little as possible and have it involved as little as possible, basically to be as a referee. You know, a referee doesn't really choose the, the players. Referee is not really making rules. He's just there to make sure that when something happens, to, to just give a yellow card or red card, you know, if somebody really is not playing by the rules to kick him off the field, but in a way, uh, a good referee, he is basically uninvolved, correct? Yeah. Well, after 50 years of public education, it'd be pretty hard to say, no, we're not going to fund public education anymore in the United States. But for me, this is amazing how not Bernie Sanders, not Jill Stein, none of them talk about what Nima was talking about huge voucher system from kindergarten. I am very much for that idea. Can you believe, uh, me too, I yeah. understand, but because uh, I took my kids to, to private school and so I would fund the public education and I would fund my kids. So I understand if we would have a voucher system, there'll be more choices for kids, but someone, someone that want to take them to a different school, they actually will have to spend less money. So I see perfect point with that. But for me, it is so interesting to hear that in Sweden, they have a voucher system did you did you hear he mentioned they have a private uh secure uh, what's the like not not medicare the other one like a pension system he mentioned that as like well the, bank account, the the healthcare bank accounts i no 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 the other or one the just, compulsory like where you have to buy the health insurance yeah yeah, yeah. so so uh, i need to research the netherlands uh, as well just see how how it's done there so for me it's uh like I said, when I saw his book and he explained that he mentioned several times about Protestant Nordic ethic, work ethic, and that uh, when immigrants come in, they do not integrate. Uh, it's really uh, opened my eyes when he said this is not the new immigrants that come in in 2016, 2015. It's those that lived in Sweden for 30, 20, 30 years and still are not able to integrate into a community. What do you think about that? Well, it just makes sense that anytime you have another culture come in, that whatever you're used to, it might not work for them. So it's going to take, it's going to be difficult, especially if you have a system where you help the people who need help. People who come into the country, they probably need help because they're not established yet, which is great and useful for a period of time. But there's always going to be some people who just stay there and don't move on. Do you think it's a similar problem that we have with African-American community in the United States, in a way? Um, I, that's a very complicated potato. <laughs> it is. Well, it's just what he said that it's just like the, we're talking about integration and different cultures, how it's it's uh, because I heard like Ben Shapiro 
uh, he debated on uh, someone on the on the race issues. And so when they talked about the violent crime and unemployment and um, single motherhood and broken families, he he deb his point was that it's different in culture and not necessary in the um, amount of melanin melanin in your skin. Well, yeah, if you look at you know like Caucasians that have also are from broken families and have the same experiences, they have difficulties too. Correct. So it's just, uh, you know, something we could all work on. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. It just the, the culture, exactly. So it's not necessarily the color of the skin, but what kind of culture? Because a similar thing happens here with the Russian Americans or Slavic Americans. Um, the reason there's not so many of them here in Idaho is because the welfare system here is very thin. You know, they, they're not going to let you die on the street or go hungry, but it's nothing like California, you know, where I call it Socialist Republic of California. So a lot of them moved actually to California, and many of them are here that they haven't worked for 30, 40 years neither. They just figured out how to milk the system, <laughs> and uh, they live like that. So it, it creates also actually a crime issues as well. There is yeah. crime problems in the Slavic community, Sacramento, San Francisco, New York, uh, Los Angeles, places like that. So that's what I'm saying. The culture, is, is very important, but also if you have something, so welfare actually, in a way, if you have too much of welfare, will actually hurt you instead of help you. So you want to hand up, but you don't want to completely like, hey, come here and do nothing. It needs to be a stepping stone and not a bed to lay in, <laughs> right? Perfect, perfect All finish right. to this podcast. Um, thank you so much for listening to this podcast. If you can let three people know about this podcast, we're still waiting for the first review because uh, Nathan decided to <laughs> add the first review. He doesn't like my self-review. <laughs> I gave us five stars, though. So we, ha we have a special promotion for someone who will leave a first review. But like I, like I said again, please let three people know about this podcast. We're going to bring in more uh, guests, just like Nima, and we will uh, bring more discussions. The whole idea of American Grey Matter is to bring to you uh, thoughts and um, considerations and opinions that you can chew on mentally and hopefully develop yourself more. Not necessarily that you agree with us or, or disagree. That's not the point. The point is to broaden your mental horizon. Yeah, yeah. All right, guys. We'll see you next week. Uh, we have an amazing show next, uh, next week. Absolutely. You have another guest that is also a very important issue. Yes. It One is meal a day. You Do not eat more than one meal a day. <laughs> you, need to, you need to definitely uh, uh, subscribe to our podcast. Let your friends know so you can um, learn how to eat one meal a day. Uh, we'll be interviewing the author Jen Stevens. Don't uh, miss that. I'm very much looking forward to that. All right, guys. I'll see you next week. See you later.